Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. If you're living your life and you've never experienced lasting change, you don't know the Jesus of John 4. Because when you encounter him and he begins to work in your life, he does things that change you forever. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Do you have a time in your life where someone gave you some really good news and it made you very happy? I have to think back on this day to the moment that I learned that we were expecting our first child. Our oldest son is now a teacher in Orlando, but all those years ago, just hearing my wife say that we're having a baby, that was great news. Good news. Did you know the Bible uses a term, good news, in a way that describes what it means to have a relationship with God? We translate that word gospel. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to simply talk about the gospel. Oh, a word which just means good news or, or great news that is life-changing news for you and me. How about this question? Have you ever found out about some news that if you knew about prior to when you found out, you might would have done things differently? In other words, you've said something like this, if, if I only knew, if I only knew then what I know now. In today's story, in John chapter 4, Jesus looks at this woman at a well, and he says to her, If you only knew. Here's my desire for you before I pray for us. My desire would be that you don't leave this place with regret. That when we leave in a few moments, when you stop listening to this message, that you have the knowledge that is necessary to make decisions that transform your life. And then that you use that knowledge to help be a difference maker for the sake of the gospel and the lives of others. So let me pray to that end in these next few moments. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we again just ask you, speak, Lord, so that we can hear. Teach us so that we can know. Give to us so that we can have. And then change us so that we can be used by you 
as change agents in this world. God, I pray that the words I say and even my thoughts over these next few minutes would be so clearly from you, not from me. Lord, that they would possess life-changing power. And Lord, that wherever we are in our journey of faith, that today we would walk out of here a little further down the road for your glory. So specifically, I ask in the name of Jesus, would you save someone today? And I thank you for this. Recognizing that you're a sovereign God that knows all that is, and this is a divine moment, not unlike the moment we read about in your perfect word, even now. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. John chapter 4, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word, however you read from the scriptures, and follow along with me. This chapter begins by telling us that Jesus recognized there was a controversy. The Pharisees were always trying to take what was the message of Jesus and twist it. They were always seeking to distract from the main thing. And, and by the way, people will do that today when you start talking about Jesus. They will make it about something it's not. So in this particular case, this was Jesus being pitted against John the Baptist. Who's baptizing the most? Who's making the biggest difference? And Jesus said, I, I don't want any of this. So he leaves Jerusalem, is what we're learning, and he's going up to Galilee. And that's where we learn, it says in verse 3, that he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. But he had to go to Samaria on the way. Now, I, I want you to see this map because I, I want you to understand what was taking place. Jesus was ministering in Jerusalem, the holy city. He had spent most of his ministry north in Galilee. Think Miami and Jacksonville. That'll give you a sense of the geography. In between the two is what? Orlando. In the biblical case, in, be in between Galilee and Judea, where Jerusalem was, was Samaria. It wasn't the only way to get to Galilee going through Samaria, but it was the most direct way. However, most Jews would not use that route because they didn't want to interact with those people. I would just say to you that looking at people differently because of where they're from or because of what they do, this is not a new thing. Don't act like racism or, or those kind of stereotypes are new. Uh, this has been an age-old problem because it really is a problem that comes from sin. We don't look at people as God wants us to look at people. And so the reality is many Jews would not go through Samaria, but Jesus did. So when it says he had to go that way, it's not telling us that this was a geographical necessity because it was not. It was a spiritual necessity because he had a divine appointment. And I just prayed for us that this would be a divine appointment. There are people that met with us yesterday right here in this place and prayed for you that there would be divine appointments today. What if you begin to look at your life and your calendar and ask God, God, before I begin this day, would you give me divine appointments? Would you allow me to see the people that you want me to see, to get to know the people that you want me to get to know, to do the things that you want me to do? So he had to go through Samaria on the way. 
Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So we're learning this place has some spiritual significance because Jacob, Joseph, these are well-known people from the Old Testament, right? We read of them in the book of Genesis. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now, this is a very important verse in the Bible because it speaks of the humanity of Jesus. In chapter 4 of John, Jesus is going to display not only his humanity, he's going to affirm his divinity. You're going to see very clearly that Jesus makes no hesitation about the fact that he is God, that he is the anointed one, that he's the Messiah. But here we see his humanity, and that's significant. It's significant because here we see a God that can relate to us. Did anybody get tired this week? Did anybody hunger or thirst this week? Your God does. Jesus did. He, he understands us. He knows what we need. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone in the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, <laughs> With a little bit of sarcasm in her voice. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So sometimes in our life we're going to come in contact with people who even in a non-confrontational situation are looking for an argument. You ever meet people like that? (laughs) And yet you're going to see that Jesus was more interested in winning a person than he was in winning an argument. And I would just encourage you, that's a side note today, but maybe you would make a decision just to live your life in the light of Jesus' example and just realize that every fight is not your fight. Every argument is not your argument. In fact, I was reminded of that quote again this morning. You can wrestle with a pig if you want to, but you'll get dirty and the pig will like it. So so be careful about what you get into. And so she starts with her sarcasm to Jesus. And Jesus replied, if you only knew. Now just think about that. If you only knew today what you knew five years ago, would would some things have changed? I, I stand with people as they enter into eternity. And how often I must think if we only knew in that moment. what was going to take place. Jesus said, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She didn't understand. So she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She thought he was talking about the water in the well still. And she said, this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Still argumentative. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And here we see the heart of the gospel, that Jesus gives us a gift that really does change everything. 
many of us gather on a day like this in a room like this or we listen to a message like this and we profess to have faith in God. We say we believe in Jesus. But I would just say to you, if if you're living your life and you've never experienced lasting change, you don't know the Jesus of John 4. Because when you encounter him and he begins to work in your life, he does things that change you forever. So your thirst began to be quenched. Your hungers began to go away. Your needs began to be met. You recognize he's different. That's why Jesus would say, there's a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I'm coming to give you life, and I'm coming to give you abundant life. I'm I'm coming to give you life that you can know it. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. And then Jesus makes an interesting twist. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Why did he go there? He's stirring things up. Remember what he's going to do. He's not meeting her physical need. He's trying to meet her spiritual need. So he knows because he's God that if he's going to meet her spiritual need, he needs to deal with something else that's going on in her life. Go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, ding, 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 ding. You got that right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. You aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth, woman. So he's acknowledging, hey, you stopped arguing with me. I've asked you this pointed question, and you've acknowledged it. And then she says, sir, you must be a prophet. So she knows something's different. They're having this interchange. They're having this conversation. She knows Jesus is different. But she does what you and I do when we begin to confront our sin. She changes the subject. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem's the only place to worship while we Samaritans claim that it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? So here we are in Samaria. There was a spiritual site in Samaria, a spiritual site from the Old Testament where Moses had led the people into the promised land. He said, set up this mountain and worship the Lord here. And so she's asking, why don't you worship there where Moses set it up? Why do you worship in the holy place in Jerusalem? And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman. The time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little uh, about that. You worship while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. 
But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman says, oh, I know the Messiah. In other words, I've heard about the Messiah, the one who's coming, who's going to change things. I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called to Christ. And when he comes, that'll, fit, I, I, that'll be okay. When he comes, when God shows up to me, I, I, will, I will understand. And Jesus said, I am the Messiah. And then notice what happens. Just then, the disciples came back. <laughs> they were shocked because they found Jesus talking to a woman. None of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? But the woman, she left her jar beside the well. And she ran back to the village, and she told everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. And many Samaritans believed. I want you to understand something today, and this is going to be a simple message. But here's the truth. When we live like Jesus, ordinary people can turn everyday conversations into gospel opportunities. I want you to walk away today simply committed to living more like Jesus. For looking for opportunities to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in an ordinary way, in everyday life. Because when we live like Jesus, that's what happens. Ordinary people can turn everyday conversations into gospel opportunities. Now, let me give you five truths from this passage, and then I want to teach you a method for doing what Jesus did. Here's the first truth. Like Jesus, every one of us have the ability to connect with other people. Do you recognize that? Some of you who are Christ followers never share your faith because you don't know how to get it started. You don't know how to begin a, a conversation about God. But Jesus gives us the perfect example here. You just meet people where they are. Did you know that just as Jesus did with that Samaritan woman, he does with you? He meets us where we are. I'll regularly come in contact with people who say something like this. If I can get my life figured out, if I can get things worked out, then I'm going to come back to God. And I have to tell them, well, you got things backwards. Jesus doesn't want you to get it all figured out or all worked out. In fact, you'll never do that on your own. Your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups, they're too much for you. But they're nothing for him. He just wants you to give them to him. And when you give them to him, then he'll take care of things. Jesus made a point that day to go to a place that other people didn't go because they wanted to connect with someone who needed to be connected with. So here's the question. Who is God putting in your path 
that he wants you to connect with. That he just wants you to begin a conversation. A conversation about life. About how they're doing. Who is your one? That one person maybe that you see regularly at a restaurant or a place of business. Or at that place you work or that family member. Who's that one person that that God is saying, boy, if you just connect with them, I'll open the door for you to have an opportunity to share the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who does God want you to connect with? Maybe it's about sports. Maybe it's about something they're going through in their life. Some brokenness they're dealing with. Maybe it's about their career. Or maybe you just talk about this crazy world in which we lived. Do you know that everybody you see now has something in common? We've all lived through a worldwide pandemic. There are so many conversation starters for you. It's easy to connect. But you've got to make a decision to connect. Jesus connected around the felt need. He knew that he was thirsty. And he knew that there would be other people at that well who also thirsted. Our spiritual needs are not disconnected from the physical needs of people around us. That's why as a church, we want to meet other people's physical needs. That's why we have a, a, a clothes closet and a food pantry. That's why at our ministry campus over at Six Mile Creek Road, we serve meals every Friday night. Is because we want people to see that we can demonstrate the love of God in practical ways. No strings attached. We give water just like Jesus could have gotten in that well. We give that in the name of Jesus. And when we give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, it's just another opportunity for us to say the name Jesus. And there's something about that name. I want you to think about something before I t- move on to this next point. Jesus could have miraculously produced water for himself. This was not a beverage crisis. This was a spiritual crisis. This is Jesus. He made the Mississippi. He carved out the Nile River. And in fact, it's Jesus who made the oceans. Jesus in the Old Testament told Moses to speak to a rock so that water would come out. And in his first miracle, he turned water into wine. No, This was not a crisis like you and I face. Jesus understood this was something bigger. It was not about one man's drink. It was about one woman's destiny. And when you meet someone at their place of need and you connect like Jesus did, you have an opportunity to impact their destiny. Well, what do we do once we connect? Like Jesus, every one of us have the opportunity To comfort other people. So that's what Jesus began to do. Once they got a conversation going, he moved from his need, which was, can you get me a drink of water, to her real need, which was her her thirst. Hey, if you knew who you're talking to, you could have answers that would solve all your problems. You could have living water that would quench your thirst. Do you believe that about God? That if you truly know him, everything else is okay? Do you believe that he can meet your every need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus? 
Do you believe that all things are possible with God? Do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? There's comfort in knowing that Jesus gives us things we cannot get anywhere else. And if you are a Christ follower, you've got to decide whether or not you really believe that. Because if you believe that, then you have an opportunity to comfort others with the comfort of the God of all comfort. That's the help. That's the hope that comes when we connect. And I would just say to you, some of you are walking through deep waters even now. You're in a difficult season of life. He knows your needs just as he knew the needs of that lady that day. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.